Hello again. Welcome to another edition of On Mike with Jordan Rich, where I feature conversations with creative talents in the areas of theater, music, the vocal arts, writing, producing, and so much more. Today, a rare opportunity to learn a bit about independent publishing, to actually realize your dream to have a book published. It is possible. I'm very happy to be sitting down with Lisa Akuri-Ross of SDP Publishing Solutions on the web at sdppublishingsolutions.com. Lisa offers optimal publishing solutions for authors worldwide and is making a name for herself as a leading expert in independent publishing. Well, I've always had the dream, Lisa, of publishing my own book, and I met you, and I'm thinking, maybe it's possible. You have made dreams come true for many, haven't you? Oh, that's terrific to hear, Jordan. (laughs) I would love to help you publish your book. Let's start with you and a very interesting story that you told us off the air about how you got into this whole field. And it started working with and for your dad when you were a lot younger. Tell us about that. He was more like forced to work for my father. Forced? <laughs> forced servitude. I just joke around, but it was well back in, in the 70s. And I was, I was a preteen, and my father started what was a typesetting business involved into offering publishing services for the big publishers, education publishers, Pearson Education, Houghton Mifflin, Jones & Bartlett. We did legal books and medical books and things like that. But as a child, um, and I do say child because I was a preteen, I was um, encouraged to come in the summer and answer phones. Then I was sent to typing school in in middle school. And I did tell you the story, and... um, but it is pretty fun um, now, looking back. It wasn't mm. at the time. But I was uh, a teenager, and I just got my license. And it was, uh, I was approaching the summer uh, before I graduated from high school. And all my friends and I were talking about how we were going to go to the beach. And we were just going to have a great time. You know, this is going to be the last summer. <laughs> we're all together. And it was dinner time, beginning of the summer. And my father said to me, listen, Missy, don't think that you're going to go to the beach every day and have a great old time and not have any responsibility. I'm going to give you a job. It's going to be full time. And you're going to work for Modern Graphics, and um, it's going to be great. You're going to come in at 830, stay stay till 5, Monday through Friday. Well, that was the worst thing you could tell a teenager who, at the time, let's face it, the the two biggest interests I had was my hair and my friends <laughs> and going to the beach, right? <laughs> Which is perfectly normal. Right. Don't you think? Age. I think Absolutely. so. Um, and then it was the summer, and I will never forget this. It was uh, summer of 1984, and anybody who lived this will remember it rained every single weekend. And every Monday morning that I showed up to work— it was bright and sunny and 80 degrees. <laughs> okay, I'm putting this into context so uh, everyone feels a little bad for me. So that first day, uh, I came in, and uh, my father, you know, uh, handed me off to the production manager. He's very proud of himself. Here you go. I have a fully trained, cheap labor. Put her to work. And he leaves, and he has no idea what I'm going to be working on. And remember what the kind of work we did. Um, and again, it was education, you know, kind of dry for, uh, for a teenage girl. So she was looking for something for me to do. And she says, you know, we just landed this account, a new, a new job through G.K. Hall. How quickly can you type in all of these Danielle Steele romance novels? Oh, boy. <laughs> I said, where do I start? Yeah. And I was glued to, and again, it was a terminal at the time. And my father had no idea what I was working on. And I would come in early, and I would just, I'd be glued to the set. And I would just key in all, all, the, um, all the content. And I remember it was after a couple of weeks, he came up to me and he says, geez, Lisa, you know, it's, it's 5.30, you know, you're, I'm proud of you. You're, you're coming in early and, and you're leaving late. You must be learning a lot. 
And he took one look at what I was doing, and he hit the roof. And uh, I just saw everyone run for cover. And uh, <laughs> he's like, this is inappropriate content. And to this day, I just, I just think it was the best revenge. Uh, well, not only that, but it, it instilled a sort of desire to read and, and know what these writers are all about. And Danielle Steele, one of the best-selling writers on the planet, mm-hmm. uh, you were able to. And you had to type every word, so you didn't miss a trick. Oh, I didn't. No, and and right. I was typing eighty words a minute at, as a teenager. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was pretty good, uh, especially if you're motivated and it's really good. Do they good. even have typing school, typing class? I mean, obviously in some cases, but not in high schools anymore, right? I mean, no, I don't think so. It's just assumed that you're going to just learn on your own. Well, the thing is, everyone learns, you know, with their thumbs first, right? right. With their phone, and um, and you know, with a typewriter or ter- um, a computer, I don't know. I mean, people really should know the proper way. It, it does that, help. I, I learned when I was a kid, and it, I type everything all the time, and mm-hmm. it, it comes in handy. So let's bring it up to where we are now with this wonderful company that you started. And mm-hmm. I mentioned the people you've helped. We'll talk about a few examples. But how did you decide or why did you decide to form your own self-published firm? Okay, so <clears throat> after I graduated college, I vowed never to work for the family business again. <laughs> And then later on in my 30s, uh, my father approached me and just said, Lisa, you know, who am I going to leave this business to? You are the oldest of four girls, and why don't you come back? Everything is uh, on the leading edge of technology. You should see what we're doing. We're doing, and we were doing uh, data repurposing, digital uh, conversion, and it was, wasn't called ebooks at the time, but we were doing mm. ebooks before mm. the term uh, coined itself. Mm-hmm. And he says, why don't you, you know, try it? And, you know, we, you know, we work well with all mothers and flex hours and things like that. So I decided to to give it a go. And uh, then I relearned, you know, I mean, I had all the basics uh, of what we learned in terms of, um, you know, editorial services, custom book cover design, interior layout. We had artists on file. We did all the soup to nuts all the way until it went to press. And um, I just got into the business again and as, a, as an operation manager. And then slowly but surely over the years, as uh, desktop publishing <clears throat> became, mm. you know, came into play, a lot of these big uh, businesses, uh, publishers, were sending things overseas to India and China. Mm. I mean, it, it just is what it is with globalization. A lot of, uh, you know, American shops really had to either change their business model or go out of business. Certainly. And it was about 12 years ago when my husband picked up, picked up the paper, and this is, yes, when we had papers delivered to our home, and he said, uh, Lisa, what is, what is this business here? Lulu.com. What is Author House? What, what are all these online publishers doing? Isn't this what you do? And I said, give me that. What is this that you're reading? And I took a look at it. I said, oh, my goodness. This is exactly what I do, but on a larger scale and more professional. And I just, I just thought about it. I said, I'm just going to investigate what they do and how they do it. Now, mm-hmm. remember, this was, this was when it first started to emerge. And uh, some of those online publishers were backed by venture capital. A lot of them still are. And um, they don't really have trained editors and publishers. You, you often get a salesperson trying to sell you. Right. It's volume business. It's volume business. But right. they say, you know, I don't care what your book is about. Uh, you want your book published? Just, uh, you know, would you like editorial? Would you like this, this, this? And give me this this amount of money mm-hmm. and I will spit a book in two weeks. Mm. And 
new authors do not know what they do not know, mm. right? And I was really concerned. I said, my God, they're, they're going to take advantage of some of these authors who say, yes, I can be, become a published author. And they don't realize the importance of professional editorial help. Yes. No best-selling author does it alone without a trusted well, editor. Well, they're team. dangling in front of an author, an author's birthing a book, which is an amazing achievement. And, and it, you put all your toil and sweat, and then somebody says, well, for, you know, 1,500, 3,000, whatever it might be, right. you can have that book in two weeks. But you're saying that there's a lot of steps and a lot of things to think about if you want that book to really cook. There is. And often I talk to authors after the fact when they say, Lisa, I wish I met you mm. first because I didn't realize. I went from point A to point Z. I didn't realize there was all this stuff in between. You know, you have one shot to get it right. And once you put your name out there in your book, um, you know, you really want to put your best foot forward in a very competitive marketplace. So I'd so- love to ask you, and listeners will key in on this uh, of all types, I'd love to ask you uh, the basic process, the, how the gears work in SDP publishing. Someone comes to you and says, listen, I've got a manuscript. I've been working on it for 10 years. I've never been able to figure out how to find a public. Can you help me get this book published, get this book out there to the public? What's the certain, what's the process? What do you do? Well, when I find out that they've been working on their manuscript for 10 years, I say, now you need the courage to share it, Mm. right? And to send it to me. You're in safe hands, right? Uh, Some people say, oh, geez, what if you don't like it? Or, um, you know, I just, I just want to know if you think there's a market in it. And I will talk to them initially. And I want to make sure that they feel comfortable sending their material to me. Okay, that's number one. And uh, we get to know each other a little bit so they know my background and um, how long I've been in the industry. What I do is I send submission requirements. It's an, it's an email, and it asks for bits and pieces of information, okay? So originally, authors used to send me what their book synopsis is, and it would be four or five pages, and I still don't know what the book is about, <laughs> yes. right? So what I yeah. ask is send me, and what, this is what we call a BOB, back of book, 250 words or less. Tell me what your book is about, okay? And don't write it to try to uh, appeal to me as a publisher. Write it with your target audience in mind. Excellent. Very good okay? idea. Very good advice. What is going to you know, make a reader pick up your book if they saw it on a bookshelf? Second, I would love an ATA about the author. Write a little bio about you in the third person. Again, 250 words. You know, maybe you want to tell me what inspired you to write this book as well, right? Or what makes you an expert in the field? That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, readers want to know that the author is credible, too, if it's mm-hmm. a nonfiction. I also ask for, um, who is the target audience? Do you know? And one of the most common mistakes is, well, my book is for everyone. And I said that um, a book is a product, first of all. You have to remember that. And, you know, no business manufacturer or, or any business would put out a product without doing some sort of research or knowing who is this, you know, who is this product intended right. to that, for. That's the basic principle of marketing. You have to yeah. know who your audience is and what the message is going to be. But also in that initial survey that you do with a potential client, are you also examining the writing style and taking a look at grammar and punctuation saying, oh my gosh, this person's nailed it or this person's going to need a lot of help. Absolutely. So let me just tie it all in. So when I ask who your target audience is, demographic, male or female, age range, Mm. we examine the manuscript to see if it even matches that. Ah. So a lot of times authors would say, well, this is for, it's a children's book and it's for uh, preschool and, and, and would read it and say, this, this goes beyond that age level. You need to write to the target audience. 
some authors write um, well above a certain range. Or, mm. or um, I work with a lot of physicians. So if you recall, when, we, when I work for my family business, we work with uh, a lot of doctors and physicians putting out medical books and education books on you know, medical work. And when I started my business, oh, let's back up a little bit. So after my husband, you know, pointed out these online publishers, I said to myself, I've got to start a business. I've got to, we've, we have to shift gears. And I approached my dad and I says, why aren't we publishing? Look what's going on with print on demand, digital publishing. And he says, honey, that's not what we do. This is, you know, we've been doing the same thing over and over. And um, I don't think he... I don't think he was ready to really shift gears. Mm. And then finally, it was 2009, so it'll be my 10th anniversary of being in business in April. I decided to go off on my own. As soon as I announced my business, because of my connection with physicians, I was immediately invited to a, a publishing seminar for physicians. Basically, how to quit your day job and write medical thrillers, forensic novels. And that first day, I'll never forget, I was, you know, brand new business, and I, I was a little, you know, worried because I, I, you know, had a nonfiction medical background. And um, I went in there, and I left with six titles and <laughs> so many authors that are friends of mine for life. They're yeah, be- wonderful. Be- because they were desperately seeking Lisa and the kind of service you could provide. And I guess I want to come back to the importance of editing because you, you mm-hmm. talked about these – big companies that promise we'll do A, B, C, and that might involve it. Editing is so crucial to any project, to any audio, video, or written project, isn't mm-hmm. it? It is. I say, whatever you do, do not skimp on good editorial help. Yeah. And then I say to authors, you know, sometimes they say, you know, here's my manuscript. It's all edited. I said, well, who edited it? Oh, you know, a niece or, you know, <laughs> yeah. my cousin or uh, somebody who's still in school. And I, and I said, well, what kind of editing? Well, you know, they just, they just, you know, did the grammar. I said, okay, so you haven't had a professional editor go through a, at least one round of developmental editing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I always suggest authors find a developmental editor first, okay, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Let's talk about fiction. They have to make sure that the characters are well-developed. The arc, the story is there. We have to make sure that the writing does appeal to your target audience, mm-hmm. to your desire. Or we might say, this writing is excellent, Keep it, but let's change the target audience. And continuity is important too, right? 100%. And a lot of authors tend to, uh, new authors, um, they have some redundancies. Uh, you know, we, we tighten, we help them tighten it up. Mm. And uh, there's nothing worse than when you're, you know, reading a fiction book and all of a sudden it just, it just goes off and it just, yeah, you know. T- yeah, it takes yeah, a tangent yeah. and you're not sure. Well, in this world of publishing on demand, and we know that it's done, and we know how it's done by big companies like Amazon. Where do you come in with SDP Publishing and helping people get the book once it's done and packaged beautifully and the the writing is crisp and it's exactly what we want? How do you take it to the next level and how do I get a book to hold in my hand or an audio book? Right. So um, once a book is – first of all, once we send it to the printer or distributor – we get a book proof. And once we look through it and we approve it, I, it, it takes 24 hours to say it's now officially on sale. What do I do next? Mm-hmm. And I usually talk to the author just a, a week or two prior and I, I say, okay, here's what I'd like you to do. You know, everything has to be within their comfort zone. I said, uh, this, this book is, is fabulous and I think that you need to get some professional reviews, okay? 
um, they are really essential for uh, putting yourself out there and, and really establishing a, um, a reputation of being a good author and a good writer. You really have to be careful who you submit the awards to or the award or the, the review. You know, any local newspaper would be great. That, that's a great thing to start with, right? And um, I have a whole list of review companies that I have vetted mm. over the years. And some come and some go, and I'll say, you know, my author just got these reviews for this children's book. Here are the outlets that I want you to reach out to. Mm. Send at least, you know. Excellent. Um, and then I'll tell them who to avoid and, and you know. Um, That's the kind of advice, by the way, that is priceless. I mean, it's one thing to, to get something created, but then taking it to the next level and knowing who to avoid and who's a, a go-to person because of their reputation, that's super critical that's right, so, right. in any industry, but certainly in this, in this one. So now we have a chicken and egg question, too, when they say, well, when should I get the reviews? And I said, well, we can do it when we have um, a PDF proof. Yeah. Okay, it's not published yet, but you'll have to wait three, four, five, six weeks sometimes for the review and because you want to publish it, you know, with maybe the, the review on the, the book cover. Oftentimes, I said, let's publish it and then we'll re- Publish it. Be, be, because yeah. we all know you're not you're not creating ten thousand copies at a time, right? Well, that's the benefit, yeah. right? So all we have to do is make the change digitally, re-upload it. There's this, you know an upload fee or you know revision mm-hmm. fee, and it's very nominal. And then the next thing you know, the next book that goes out there will have the review on it, and that is the beauty of. Um, digital print-on-demand. The old expression, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, when book is published and the author's done so much to create this work, whatever it might be, the next step is to make sure people know about it. And one way is the reviews. What other suggestions? And I know you help people with the marketing as part of what you do. But in general, is it just uh, getting knowledge of social media and working it and working it? Social media is key. And there are a lot of authors who say, you know, I'm just, I just can't manage my own social media. Well, you know, you could hire somebody to do that. And I always say to authors, I want you to do what is comfortable in your budget. I'm going to give you suggestions that I think you could do on your own. And if you don't have time or don't feel comfortable with it, you know, here's who to call and, and here's who you can, you know, who can help you with it. Mm. So um, an author website is, is important. I think it's great. You need to have a presence, uh, whether it's a you know Facebook page about the book alone. You know, uh, again, a book is a product. It is a business. Mm. So you don't, you know, you really want to keep it um, as its own sure. uh, identity. And then, um, you know, authors that already have a good following you know, fan base or whether they're business people. A lot of professional speakers really do phenomenal with independent publishing because they make the most uh, royalties. A lot of them will call me and say, Lisa, I'm speaking at this um, uh, at this seminar and there's 200 participants. I need 200 books sent to this, to this company by, you know, this area um, by a certain date and the author makes 100% profit. You know, they buy the books at wholesale and those things really work mm. well for... Um, you know, uh, established entrepreneurs, business mm-hmm. people, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of things that I suggest that authors do, and it's a matter of, um, you know, how important is it to them. Now, with that said, I do have authors who want to write memoir, a memoir, and they just want to leave it as a family legacy. Mm. And as long as we establish this up front, this is, this is a great story for your family. Just know that this may not. Right. Right. But, but that's a good point. I, I'm going to just jump onto a question I had in mind, and that is, we're not 
only limiting this to folks who are writing the great American novel or the great business book or the how-to or the you know mm-hmm. personal growth. For many people, it just simply might be a pet project, a dream of theirs to have something that they can hold in their hands and share with family and friends. Absolutely. So I call it a labor of love, right? So um, manuscripts are like works of art too, right? Where some Not everyone is going to love your book and not everyone is going to, you know, not everyone's going to enjoy a painting, right? It, it will appeal to a certain type of person. And I work with a lot of grandmothers or grandfathers who have that uh, bedtime story that they, they told their kids and their grandchildren. And they said, I just want to leave it for my kids. I've got, you know, 15 grandkids and more on the way, and I just want to leave this story for them. And we help them with, um, you know, obviously we, uh, we try to help the author become a, as, as good a writer as possible. So we don't, we don't say, okay, we're going to put out your book just as you wrote it. There, you know, I won't accept a book unless one of my editors actually mm. reads at least once and, and offers some editorial help. I haven't, I've yet to meet a manuscript that didn't need three rounds of editing. I can tell you that right now. I'm sure that's and, the case. And, it's, and I've been in this industry for a very long time. Right. Um, so, yes, did that answer your question? It did, yeah. and I'm, I'm very heartened to hear that because I actually know of several people who have whispered to me more than once, oh, I've got an idea and I don't know where to proceed. I think this podcast is going to help direct these people. Let me ask you if you can share just a couple of recent projects, uh, titles and authors, or you know, just what's uh, on top of mind right now. So we can give an example of the kind of things that are going on. Okay, so one of our newer published titles. It was actually published um, late last year, but she's doing phenomenal. Christy Lindor's uh, The Mese Muse. She is a a very successful consultant, business consultant, and she's selling internationally. Uh, In fact, if I ever start a podcast, she'd be my first guest. Uh, Let's see, who else is doing very well? Kathleen Tian. She is a former state rep. She lives Mm. in um, Whitman, Mm -hmm. and she wrote the history of the Toll House chocolate chip cookie book. Wow, that's cool. I used to to work at that restaurant doing a little entertaining before it burned down. The famous Toll House uh, in Whitman, right? Yes, I live right around the corner from there. Oh, man, people around the world love the cookies, so that makes sense. Well, I'll tell you, I called Kathleen and I said, you have got to get on Chronicle because they just did a piece on... Mm. um, the Toll House cookie and the history of, and so she got on, she got on, and um, it and was probably just, sold some books. It's so cool that you're able to do what you do in an era when it's possible. I mean, for many, many decades, centuries, there were the big publishing houses. You couldn't get through the iron gates if you were lucky enough. It was such a trek uphill. Talk a little bit about where we are today. Well, I do want to share with you, Jordan, that when I realized that um, all these online publishers were popping up and I knew that I could do a much better job for, for our authors. I had this vision and I saw I saw the path so clearly how I would help authors circumvent around this old traditional, almost impossible uh, for some to get picked up. There are such gems of manuscripts, yet some of the big houses won't accept them because they do not have an, a platform, right? So they don't have a subscriber base. They're, they don't have a, a, an author platform. And how do you how do you start that, mm. right? And I've said to authors, if 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 you show success in publishing as an independently published author, okay, and that is another word for professionally self-published, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful of the word self-published because it had uh, bad connotations. It it had um, and it still does. Like some 
some people would self-publish and, like I said, skip. You know, they'd go from A to Z and they won't have the editorial help. And, and, and self-publishing used to have a bad name. So we call it indie publishing. I independently mm-hmm. publish this title, okay? I just want to jump in yeah. here. After many years on radio interviewing thousands, literally thousands of authors, uh, I noticed about uh, almost 20 years ago the rise in in indie published books mm-hmm. and quality books, yes. not only the writing but the presentation. It's it's really become the thing right. the to, idea to is, indie publish. Right. You should not be able to tell. No, right? and you if can't. If you do it right, you As won't be able to tell. Right. met a lot of these authors and interviewed hundreds of them, I can tell you that the quality level has risen so far, and it's great. It's, it's so inspiring. Yeah. E-book sales have soared for independent in, indie authors. One more and, question of, of a technical nature before we wrap up, and that is people who write think they need to have an agent or they're not going anywhere. That's what they've told me. I've got to find an agent. Can you help me find an agent? And uh, what's your take on that? You don't have to always find an agent. Um, well, it, it depends on really what you want. Some authors will come to me and say, if I can't get this traditionally published, if I'm, if I'm not offered in advance, then forget it. And um, like I said, I examine every manuscript, and I would myself and one of my trusted editors will decide whether they have a shot or not. What's really impressive about what you're saying is uh, you're smart enough and ethical enough to know, hey, there are certain things I just don't think I can take on, or if I'm going to help this person, maybe they should go here first for six months, work yes. out the details. Yes. That's the only way to succeed in any business, but in yours, particularly where it's it's so much of an ego issue. You know, somebody puts their heart and soul into something they've written, it, it you want to let them down easy, but also be truthful with them. Right. So, you know, I've positioned myself more as a publishing consultant, right? Mm-hmm. I'm also a publisher, an independent publisher where authors, you know, do pay a service so I can get them the best editorial help, best book cover design, uh, you know, including, you know, marketing and things like that. But I also am here to – their success is my success no matter where. So we just worked with an author, a physician, who um, we helped him develop his manuscript. I'm, I'm not ready to announce who he is. And we helped him get an agent. So he's going mm. through the deal now. And, you know, another author, we helped broker a deal for um, a Chinese uh, publisher to buy the rights to translate her book, 10 Weeks to Love Running, um, and she's um, a physician herself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, so you know, we, I, we, my job here is to help authors put their best foot forward in a very competitive marketplace. Well, I will certainly promote that fact through this podcast and mention, of course, again, SD ppublishingsolutions.com. And you know, what's important to remember, uh, we're here in the Boston area, but yours is an international market, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks to the technology of today, it can be sdppublishingsolutions.com. And may I say, you've made your dad proud, I'm sure, but you've (laughs) done something Daniel Steele affected you in a very positive she way. She sure did. <laughs> the large print. Yes, we the, translated them. To la- the thank goodness print. for large print. Well, it's great to meet you, and I, I wish you great success. And as a resource, you've become, wow, top of mind for me because I have a lot of people who are always at me. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Now we have a solution. So That's terrific to hear. Thanks for stopping by, Lisa. Thank you so much. Lisa Akuri-Ross, sdppublishingsolutions.com. If uh, you're a budding author or you have a dream, it's something to check out. And thanks for listening, as always, to On Mike with Jordan Rich. Available on Apple Podcasts. 
TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Android. Appreciate you subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast if you get a chance. On Mike is produced at Chart Productions in Boston. Until next time, be well so you can do good.